he was talking, and I, I'm going to share a little bit just about church membership, a little bit about our heart and our vision, what it means to be a member. Um, but I, I was thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is writing a heartfelt, although sometimes confrontational, talked about conflict, letter to the church in Corinth. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I think that's such a wonderful segue into talking about church membership. Because I think if we're going to talk about what it means to be, to have leadership in the church, to be a member of a church, we've got to ask what the church is. And we've got to say some things that it's not. You know, the church is not just a service provider, a program center, a country club. The church is not just a building. The church is not optional or good if we have time and energy. The church is a family. It's a family of Christians who affirm one another's identity in Christ and then hold one another accountable to walk according to that identity. And I think when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, you have countless guides in Christ. You have countless podcast subscriptions to wonderful sermons. You have countless playlists of great worship bands around the world. But if that is all that your Christianity is, do you have the family of God, the, the spiritual fathers that you need to be a healthy follower of Jesus? Do you have the spiritual brothers and sisters that you need to be a healthy follower of Jesus? Or do you only have guides? I heard a pastor from New York City named John Tyson teach on this years ago at a leadership conference, and he kind of modernized this word guide and said tutors. You have plenty of tutors, people that are teaching you different aspects, books that you read, passages you listen to preach, but do you have a family? Do you have a family that you call home that are going to walk with you and lock arms with you, that you're not showing up to that building hoping you get the best performance? I don't show up to my family's house thinking, well, my mom better have cooked the best meal I've ever had or else I'm going to leave early and go get something better. I come for the fellowship. I come for the relationships. I come to be together, to celebrate together. And I hope that that's why we show up here at Shalford because this is the family of God that you've committed yourself to. So I wanted to talk just a couple minutes about how we can be good church members. Some of you might not be church members yet. Some of you might have been church members for a long time. And we actually have membership directories uh, we're going to set out, and we're going to ask all of our members, all of our covenant members to take one on your way out. And it's got names in there and some contact information. That's why it's only for members. We tried to make, I tried to give you a chance to let me know if you didn't want that in there. But I, I hope this is a way for you to look at these names, pray for these names. Because I think there's two main things we see that it takes to be a good church member. And the first is presence. You got to be present. You've got to be present with your church family. That means, I mean, dare I even say in this day and age, that means attending regularly. Uh, it's hard to call yourself a part of a family if you never show up. It's hard to participate. It's hard for us to depend on you and the way God's gifted you. See, the truth is we need you. 
We're not just asking you to show up because we want to count another number or because we hope you drop something in the basket on the way out. We want you to show up because there's a spiritual factor at play, and it's that God has put his Holy Spirit in you, and we need that. But the truth also is that our hearts are broken if you're not present because you need this. If you get yourself out on a spiritual island without this family Paul talks about with just guides and just tutors and floating around, listen, you're saying, I'm getting the content, I'm listening to a sermon, but if you don't have the family, our hearts are broken because we know you're going to become spiritually weak and malnourished. You've got to be present. So I want to just beg you, would you commit to being present? And if you're praying through what it means to be a member at Shalifer and you're considering taking that step and that commitment... I want you to consider, am I willing to be present in this church family? That certainly means more than physical presence, but it definitely doesn't mean less. We also want you to be spiritually and emotionally present. We want you to be real as you're here. We want you to be honest as you're here. Get past polite, as Lynn says. We want you, as you're here, to be the real you, not something you're pretending to be. So be present if you're going to be a good church member. But the second thing is prayer. Being a good church member requires prayer. And I was struck a few weeks ago by a verse I'm sure I've read a lot of times, but I'll admit, sometimes you get the beginning or the end of some of Paul's letters, you can kind of start to skip because you're like, okay, he's going to say hello to a bunch of people. I don't know. I'll try to read this before I die so I can say hello to them in heaven. But I don't know these names. I don't know Chichikis or Epaphras or all these. uh, I don't know. And so you can kind of, well, I was reading the end of Colossians. And here's what Paul says. He's making these greetings in Colossians chapter 4. And he talks about Epaphras. Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Picture this brother Epaphras. Not with the church. He's with Paul writing. He's saying Epaphras is greeting you. And Paul is giving testimony. saying, you need to know about Epaphras. He struggles on your behalf. Boy, not if he feels like it, not if he's feeling good, not if he's got all the energy and all the attention span he can give to it, not in an easy and a lighthearted way tagging it on to praying for his breakfast or his lunch or his dinner that day. No, he struggles on your behalf in his prayers. Prayers, plural, as in he's doing it consistently. Struggling on your behalf that you may stand mature. Oh God, mature these brothers and sisters in this church. I pray that they would grow up into understanding the identity that they have in Christ, that they would understand you more and more, that they would grow in the knowledge of your word, and that they would be fully assured in all the will of God. Father, anchor them so that they're not anxious and worried about what's true about them or what's true about the world or what your plan is for their life. And so my question is, I read Colossians chapter four and I tried to take a few weeks to pray through this myself. Who's gonna be our Epaphras? Who's gonna contend in prayer for this church family? Because we can show up turn the lights on and the sound on and we can hit the right notes 
We can even open this book and teach it. We can have great kids' curriculum and students' curriculum. We can gather. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. So that means we can do every flesh and blood thing right and still lose the battle. The battle that we're facing is won or lost in prayer. Are we willing to go there? Are we willing to say, like Justin does every elders meeting, when something new gets brought up, he goes, I I need to, I haven't taken this to the Lord in prayer yet. I, I gotta go take this to the Lord in prayer. Are we willing when we see something that we think is wrong in the church to first go to the Lord in prayer? Are we willing when we see something in our brother or our sister's lives to first go to the Lord in prayer? Who is going to be an Epaphras for our church family? I hope we have a church full of Epaphrases. Of people that when you say, I'm a member at Shalford, what is implied is, I struggle in my prayers on behalf of that church family. I pray for them consistently. I pray for them through difficult things, through good things, in celebration and in lament. I labor in prayer for those believers. Say, what does it mean to be a good church member? Well, we could stand up and we could talk about giving and serving and talk about all the things we want you to be doing but what if we were here and what if we were in God's presence for one another? That's the vision of faithful church members that I have for Shalford. There's a lot of other things we can and will talk about that I hope it means to be a good member, but I hope we're present and I hope we're praying as a church family. And so what we're gonna do at this time is we're actually gonna take the Lord's Supper together. Our King Jesus gave us a family meal to bind us together as a church family, and it is the Lord's Supper. See, we're one unified family, one body, because we have one thing in common, Jesus. It's not just a common interest. It's not a common age group. It's Jesus. We are united to Christ alone for our salvation. So it's the Lord's Supper that we come and we take the bread and the cup that defines our identity and our community. There's a tension here. One theologian calls it a supronomy. Now, we come here and it's defining our identity. It's saying this is who you are, this body broken for you, this blood shed for you, but it's also defining our community because we don't take this in isolation. You never find in scripture someone taking this alone, always in the gathering of a church because it defines our community. We look around and we say, we are those people who take one bread and one cup because of our one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we take the Lord's Supper, we're going to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to taste and see literally that the Lord is good because he gave himself for us that we might live. We're going to remind ourselves and one another of our true identity in Christ. And we're going to declare by this act that we are unified in Jesus Christ. So worship team, go ahead and come up and let me pray for us. God, uh, you invite us to this table. 
We don't invite ourselves. You invite us. You provide the meal. You are the host. And you're a good one. Thank you for your invitation, Lord. Thank you for how you provide for us. King Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for us. Thank you for letting your body be broken. No one took your life from you, but you willingly laid it down. Thank you for shedding your blood for us and for our salvation so that we could come to know you and have eternal life starting now, lasting forever. And God, I pray for this church family. I pray that as they are invited to this table this morning, God, that they would come to celebrate the death of Jesus for them. And Christ, I pray that as they eat and as they drink, you would pour your grace into their heart fresh and new this morning. And I pray that as we watch others in this room eat and drink, it would stir our hearts up to praise you and to thank you for your work among our brothers and sisters.